Welcome everyone to Two Brain Radio. It is our mission at Two Brain to provide one million entrepreneurs the freedom to live the life that they choose. Join us every week as we discover the very best practices to achieve perfect day and move you closer to wealth. On this episode, Chris interviews Olivia DiGiorgio. She is a senior business analyst at Wattify. They go through things like what are the most popular classes, but also some things that you probably don't think about. Enjoy. Olivia DiGiorgio, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, you're welcome. So Olivia, we'd love to just spend a few minutes hearing your story, like what led you to data and then what led you to Wattify? Sure. So I come from a background of about 10 years of healthcare data analytics, ranging from everything in the provider realm to health insurance, you name it, I've done it. My education is a bachelor's in math and a master's in actuarial science. So somewhere around the time of when my daughter was conceived, I decided that I liked data a lot more than the actuarial aspect. So I decided to shift a little bit. I really enjoyed just being in data, seeing it from the raw format all the way to something that you can make an action out of. And so using Wattify as both an athlete and a coach, I absolutely love the product. And I thought, man, I wish they could use like my skill set, my data skills to better their product and to help their business owners, help their athletes. So I just kept looking for something to come up. And sure enough, you know, they had an opening for a senior business analyst. I've been here now for eight months. You know, I've been able to do some really cool things and really look at the data in a new way. Um, previously, you know, they've been around for six years, but really having somebody on board who can take the time to manipulate the data and really do something with it. Um, they haven't had that as a priority or really had the bandwidth to do that until now. So it's really awesome to be a part of that kind of like starting from the ground and really just establishing what we want with the data. So, yeah, we're definitely going to come back to Wattify in a moment, but we're like, what leads a child to say <laughs> fireman, police officer, nurse, data analyst? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I can say that I remember being about, I don't know, I was maybe seven years old and I would bring home, we had these like little cards where you could you could do like your multiplication tables like over and over again and you would time yourself. It's like, how many could you get done in 30 seconds? It was like the CrossFit for doing multiplication tables, I guess, you know? So I remember doing that as a kid, absolutely just loved math, like just couldn't get enough of it. And somehow along the way, I decided, well, I don't think teaching is for me. <laughs> so I just continued. I looked for what else I could do with math. And, you know, they don't tell you much about it in school and maybe they do now, but there are, there are plenty of things you can do with a passion for math, um, aside from teaching, one of which is analyzing data. So, so for listeners of the show, this is not a math show. We're not going to be talking about a whole bunch of numbers and stuff like that. What we're going to be doing is the interesting part of data, which is hearing Olivia's interpretation of what this data means. So we will say like, well, here are the stats but I'm really interested in hearing from an expert how, number one, we can interpret these statistics to, to give us some meaning in the CrossFit field. And number two, what these mean for the individual affiliate owner. You know, can they use these benchmarks to tell them how they're doing and then what? 
Let's talk about why Wattify is interested in collecting and interpreting data for the gym owner right now. You know, a couple of places have tried to do this, including me years ago. You know, we've done some industry surveys and stuff. My reason in collecting, in surveying affiliates, so my, my process was less numerical. It was more like, how are you doing? Do you have a plan for retirement? But what I wanted to know was like, what's the overall temperature? Is, is the movement kind of going in the right direction? Wattify does not have to invest money in this stuff. Obviously, they're choosing to do that. Why? So what we want to be able to do as a gym management and performance tracking software company, you know, we have a lot of customers, you know, that being both the business owners who use our product as well as the athletes who are using it. And we wanted to see, you know, how else can we provide value? And we can, other software companies can certainly help you track your performance and see how you've improved. But what else can we do to make things easier, make your job easier as a business owner? So we wanted to kind of take a look at what are some key things that might be a good place to start? What are those business metrics that are good to look at and track over time? And how can we use, you know, what's already built in our software or maybe um, something else that we need to build out? Um, which is coming down the line. You know, we've built out some other tools that will allow people to just sort of have a pulse on these and do a quick look at what is the temperature, like you said, of your business, uh, just based on those metrics. Why, Why is it important for a business owner to know that all the time? Why do they need this kind of comparison against other box owners? Oh, well, just like as a CrossFit athlete, you know, if, if you're not measuring what you're working on, or, you know, if you have no sense of what it is you're trying to improve, then where's the trajectory? Are you going to be, you know, improving your business and growing and uh, making more money, helping impact more clients, um, or are you going to stay where you're at? And there's really no way to know unless you're measuring something, you know, meaningful, tangible, that you could directly see what's going on. Yeah. You know, Greg Glassman said, like, when I ride alone, my wheel is always in front. And unless you have a, a comparison, then you don't really know how well you're doing. You might feel like your box is doing great. And every week I talk to a dozen gym owners who think that might be true, but they're not sure. But there's also this knowledge in CrossFit that like there needs to be a comprehensive data set somewhere. And nobody's really sure who should own it. So everybody's trying to produce it. So what makes Wattify's data set more analytically correct or, or like more valuable than the other ones that we're seeing? Uh, so some of the others that I've seen uh, are sort of like a self-reported or like a, um, a survey type thing, which is great. You know, you're, you're really getting some good information that way. But what we've taken is the literal data that comes through in the application, in the back end of things. People aren't touching that. They can't manipulate it. Certainly when we look at class times and things like that, those are things that are scheduled in there. So you do have some control over that, but you're not choosing to tell me any information about the data. I'm just strictly pulling the data, using it as it is, of course, making some assumptions along the way to adjust for some things. But that's giving us a very objective view of things. And it's giving us a really big sample size. And we ended up pulling in 3,000 gyms worth of data for this analysis. So I feel like it's a really good representation of a good portion of the market. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that nobody can fudge data. It's all just being pulled. You might not see it, Olivia, but a lot of the listeners here will know when you go into a public CrossFit gym owner's Facebook group, people are not always what they seem. And, and they, they do tend to exaggerate how well they're doing. 
uh, and that really makes it hard to benchmark yourself against them. So let's get into the data here. So I'm looking at the CrossFit Affiliate Trend Report, and we're going to start with the 10 most popular class times. Were there any surprises in this in this stat for you? Uh, not really. Not not too much. You know, I, I surveyed some people around the office like, oh, when do you think are the most popular? And of course, they're like, Monday. The number one, Monday, 530, that was what they expected, pretty much in line with what I expected to see in terms of popular classes. Sort of looks like CrossFitters don't like to get up early, <laughs> um, but I think that evening probably just happens to work better for a lot of people's schedules, but yeah, nothing too surprising. Okay. So, you know, first place, Monday at 5.30, second, Tuesday at 5.30, third, Wednesday at 5.30. I mean, there's clearly a trend here. I think what affiliate owners need to remember is that we're here to serve the client. And so if the clients don't want to come at noon, then you don't need to offer a class at noon. But if your clients want to come at 8 p.m., then you need to be there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, this is really great data to have. I was really surprised at at how low morning class is rated here. So for example, the first morning class to appear in the top 10 is in 10th place, Wednesday, 6am. Many affiliates I think would say like, we have an even balance of morning and evening. Yeah. And and I can, you know, think of some anecdotal stories where certainly like the 5am class happens to be the most popular, you know, for a gym that I know of. This is, you know, looking at them all in. This is looking at your average of all the attendances. So of course, we're looking at the entire year. You may have some holidays drizzled in there that are going to impact things. You know, all that is just put in there as well. But it is definitely kind of eye-opening to see something that you would expect sort of about the gyms that you know versus what the average ends up being for these attendances across the board. So so if you're a gym owner and you're you're looking at this data and there there are no Friday classes in the top 10. There are no Sunday classes in the top 10. You know the the only class in the top 10 on Thursday is like eighth best. Do you just close on Sundays? Like how would you make that decision? Yeah, so you know, and this is to be taken sort of, you know, every gym is going to be different. The needs of your gym may be very different. You may have people who travel a lot. So in one way or the other, you know, you might have people traveling to your gym. So you may actually have a lot more Saturday, Sunday visits than what you would see here or vice versa. You may have a lot of people who travel away from your gym. And so the weekends aren't going to be as popular for you. So you really have to just kind of consider like your scenario versus this. It's really more just a a pulse on where people across the board are attending. So it's not to say like, oh, I'm going to look at this and never mind all my morning classes just because this is what the data says. Um, You certainly have to interpret this sort of information relative to your scenario and what your gym provides as well. So I think, I think one thing that gym owners could do right now that they might not be doing is actually tracking who's showing up at which classes and then shifting their, their calendar according to the busiest times of the year and what they could do is they could announce like their spring 2019 calendar right now, list the classes that they're going to offer. And then if one of those classes is poorly attended in March, they announce their summer 2019 calendar, which might be slightly different. Yeah. yeah. But the key is that they need to be tracking, right? They can't just go by feel. 
Yeah, and I think this sort of gives them an idea of this is something they could do with their own data. They could do this, you know, with their own attendance history and whether or not they look on it, at, you know, an individual basis or not, you know, in total, they can certainly see this information and they can make decisions about whether or not they want to keep a class, whether or not they should be offering a second class at a time nearby, you know, to, to offset some um, attendance that they have or you know, maybe even it's a matter of if they need a cap on a class because there's too much attendance happening. And you would probably see it as a coach, but perhaps you're not getting the attention that they need because the class is too full, that sort of thing. So, Right. Okay. So that leads us into another question, which I found very interesting because trend data for the fitness industry at large suggest something that I think everybody could guess, right? Like gym attendance peaks in January and it drops off at the end of March and there's a slight little bump in September and, you know, it tapers off between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But what this data shows is slightly different that how frequently members are coming into the gym each month as a percentage of the total attendance for the year. What we actually see is a slightly lower percentage in January, maybe about average, but nowhere near the peak. And the peak month's actually happening in May, August, and October. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? Well, it's definitely interesting and not what you would think in terms of people who make that commitment at the beginning of the year. I think there's also a lot to be said about, you know, what people have going on in their lives in terms of the ability just to physically get into the gym. Like while you may make that commitment in January, you also have 10 other events that you have to do. So you're not necessarily going to get in as often as you'd like. You also could think about like how long it might take for somebody to get into sort of the swing of a new habit if they decided that's what they were doing. You know, maybe it's taking people a couple months to build in that schedule that gets them there consistently or they're brand new to CrossFit, chances are they're not going to be going five to six days a week. They're going to be ramping up for that more frequent attendance versus if they're just starting out, they're probably going two to three times a week, maybe doing an on-ramp program, uh, that kind of thing. So certainly a lot of different moving parts that you can't necessarily see just by thinking about, oh, when do people decide to start going to the gym? You also kind of think about seasonally, like with the start of the new school year, like September, October is kind of like a fresh time of like, all right, we're going to like get back into it now. Like it's ready to start fresh in addition to that January reset point. So I kind of think that kind of explains a little bit of why August and October seem to be, you know, high up there as well. But it's also, you know, something to to keep in mind. And, and when you look at the, the image, it's a little bit deceiving because you're ranging from 7.5% to 9%. There's really not a lot of variation. You know, you're talking about as a percentage of the total, it's very small increments of movement. So we're not saying like, oh, in December, like it completely falls off and we have like nobody showing up. It's like, there's still a lot of people coming in December, just comparatively October, they're coming more often than December, for example. So just keeping in mind that the big picture, they still are attending a lot. It's just as a percentage of the total, that's where it falls. So this isn't really like how many members you have or how many new signups you're getting. It's how often do your current members show up to class? Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, Olivia, like how should a gym use this data for planning? Well, again, it's really relative to, you know, what your percentages look like, you know, based on this. Um, so you don't want to just necessarily say, you know, the industry standard maybe looks like this, or this is what I should do. But you could certainly take a look at what you're offering in terms of programs, see if maybe there's a gap where you might be able to get some more people in, 
or just try to um, keep a pulse on why maybe people aren't showing up as often in December. You know, maybe December's an easy month because it's holidays, but how can you make your members more engaged to try to get them in more? You know, so starting to think about what's happening during that month that you might see like a little bit of a dip. And then how can you, you know, keep people more engaged and keep them coming in more often to kind of get that up? think that's really all you can do with this is really just being aware of it. And then again, you're going to have to measure it and see if the metric is improving at all based on what you've done. Did the initiative that you put in place in December actually improve that percentage or not? So maybe also the gym owner could think, you know, the person is going to be coming in less often in September. Maybe I can engage with them other ways other than exercise. You know, that might be one option. The other thing that I like this graph for is very few clients go from like five days a week to zero. And, you know, they don't, unless they're going to a different CrossFit gym. If a client is about to quit CrossFit, usually in my experience, what you'd see is this slow taper down. Like, no, nah, I'm only going to come three times a week now, nah, maybe once while I'm jogging the other days. And so if you notice that your attendance naturally starts to slip in September, then you're more prepared for that and you don't overreact. On the other hand, if you see somebody starting to slip in October when you know everybody else's attendance is really peaking, then you know that you might have a problem that otherwise you wouldn't have caught. Okay, so average number of classes per week, 42 classes a week, that's about six classes a day. If I'm an affiliate owner and I'm only running 30 classes a week and I see that the average number of affiliates runs 42 classes, you know, should I worry about that? Should I say, oh, I'm doing better because I'm... Well, it really depends, first of all, how big your gym is. So we've got gyms of all sizes included in here. You know, I have some with like 10 members. <laughs> um, and then we've got, you know, very large gyms included in here as well. So, and this is just a straight average. This isn't a median. So we're not talking about any sort of distribution of the number of classes. It's just straight up that average. So that's something to consider. And you have to consider, am I an average gym size? Then maybe this is about right. And that being said, I think that it's more valuable to look at you know the attendance within your classes first and foremost and see if that seems to be looking okay, if it if it's moving in a positive direction, then maybe you're adding some more classes. But I wouldn't say that looking at this and, and then think, oh, well, I, I have far too few classes. I should just add some to the schedule. I don't think that that's the right approach. Um, you definitely need to think a little bit more about what it means relative to your gym. Yeah. Okay. So what I would add there is you also have to calculate like what is the value of that hour? you know, before you can determine whether you have too many or too few classes. Yeah. For example, a lot of people never do this math. And when you look at some of the numbers that we're going to look at next, like average revenue monthly per member, you might realize that the average member is paying six or $7 per class. And if you're running a class for two people, then you're paying yourself about 12 bucks for that hour. So yeah, I mean, this is definitely a key metric, but I think it's part of the equation that helps you determine whether you should run more or fewer. Now we're getting into the really juicy stuff. And I, I want to start with length of engagement because I don't think that retention ever gets enough focus. Retention isn't super sexy, but basically it's like a multiplier for every new client that you get, right? So your data shows the average length of engagement to be 18 months. Can you talk, just talk about how Wattify determines length of engagement? Yeah, so we basically looked at all of the active members that are at a gym 
and how long they've been a member since. So literally the date that they signed up and came into your gym versus where they are now. Um, we did limit this to gyms who have been with us for more than a year because we felt like it was a bit skewed to say, you know, if they've been with us last might not be a good picture. So we did make that adjustment and assumption to try to get a more accurate picture. And naturally, of course, if you look at the length of engagement versus the age of your gym, it is, as you would expect, an upward trend. So that's not really a surprise. But this is going to tell you, you want this to go up over time. We don't want to see this number going down. And it's just going to show you overall how, how well you are retaining those people. Okay. So we describe leg length of engagement as uh, a report on your operations. If your operations are tight, if everything's systemized and, and your processes are dialed, your length of engagement will go up. If they're not, your length of engagement will go down. And so I think it's really cool that you're showing leg at 18 months. Our data suggests more like 13 months for people who've been involved in a gym for over a year. So I'm really I'm going to be very interested to follow this and see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. The bigger metric, though, that got all of the mentors at Two Brain going, oh my God, was average monthly revenue per member or ARM. Mm-hmm. And so the Wattify report says the average monthly revenue per member at the average CrossFit gym is $84 a month. Can you tell us where that, what was included in that metric? Yeah, so that's looking at everything that that individual has spent for the month. Um, So that would include your membership fees, any merchandise or special programming that they might have purchased. That's all included, any revenue generated in that specific month. This does include international gyms. So there's some question about how that will impact it. Um, We have converted it to US dollars just to make it simple. But all that was, you know, gone through conversion and, you know, we did all those assumptions. But yeah, that's just going to be how much revenue that individual has generated for that specific month. And we did look at this over the course of a year, and we included new gyms, brand new gyms, as well as gyms who've been with us forever. So it's a snapshot of every variation of gym and member you could potentially have. So to me, that $84 a month is the sound of a death toll. To survive for the average gym, on $84 a month, you're going to need about 260 to 300 members. And if the average member turns over at 18 months by your data, what that means is that about every year, you have to replace about two thirds of your members. So you're going to need 200 new members a year or four new members every single week, right? If you're charging $84. Now, the simple solution to me, like I think the average monthly revenue per member at any CrossFit gym should be double that to start. So I think that's really a wake-up call for people. I mean, if if you take your arm and you're looking at the new Wattify dashboard, you should be able to get that. Can we say that? Soon. You can soon. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if it was a secret that, that I had seen, but nobody else or whatever. Yes, but. There's uh, some beta tenants uh, out there have it. Uh, we have about a dozen probably right now, but uh, it'll be out for public consumption very soon. So Yeah, we're pumped. So if I'm looking at that ARM and it's under $84, then I need to panic, you know, and I need to start figuring out how to either charge more or increase revenue per client right away. Because if not, then I'm going to be running under the gun of recruiting a ton of members all the time. And you and I both know what happens that we lose all of our best members and we spend many sleepless nights, especially when you consider the next metric, which is that average membership growth 
of 12% per year. So there are a few things that might influence this, right? Like there might be some marketing here or it might just be purely organic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we did look at, um, for this particular one, we made sure to look at the same subset of gyms year over year so that we weren't skewed by, you know, new gyms coming in or any sort of thing like that. So um, we did look at that same population. So it it is interesting. It's positive that it's growth. But it is a bit lower than I anticipated. Um, I kind of expected it to be more. Yeah, I mean, that's basically like 8.5 new members for every 100 members that you have net. And I'm not really surprised by that because there are gyms who are running these challenges where they're getting like 30 people in at a time, but that's most of those people don't stay. So it doesn't actually contribute to their net growth year over year, right? They just have these cash bumps. So while I am encouraged this is positive, I also wish it was a lot higher. And I have a feeling that most gyms are actually getting more new clients than that, but that they're they're losing clients at a pretty high rate. And mm-hmm. CrossFit as a premium service really, really depends on keeping clients around for a long time. So, mm-hmm. all right. So revenue by month. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't completely follow your trend of attendance per month. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is a real great point for uh, affiliate owners to pay attention to is that more people showing up doesn't necessarily mean more money, even though it might mean more costs. So your chart shows that January revenue is actually below average revenue. And then revenue just kind of has these little bumps until you get to May. And then you have steady revenue until midsummer, and then revenue goes up and then revenue peaks October, November, and drops in December. So why do you think that revenue trends upward over the year? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and, and it's, you kind of want to think about it relative to the attendance. But I think we need to think about it more relative to your membership over time, um, which isn't something that we looked at here and probably something we should look at, you know, side by side, because you want to see your revenue is going to be associated with those new people coming in or your existing members are, you know, upping their membership. In an ideal world, you'd be getting more members, they'd be using more services, coming to class more often, all those things at once, but kind of breaking it down into the attendance versus your athlete, actual active athletes with the membership as well as comparing that to your revenue trend, that's what's going to allow you to see kind of what's actually happening with your gym. So you got to kind of look at the entire picture. While this is a nice view to say, okay, these are kind of the months where it's going up and, and you know, maybe you can see how you stack up with that. It's not going to give you any kind of insight in, in terms of what's actually happening with your membership base and how you might be able to improve that unless you look at those other factors with it. Okay. One key thing that I really noticed here is that revenue and attendance both go down in December. That suggests to me that people are actually canceling their memberships in December. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? So what I think that means for affiliates is that you have to make plans to bolster your revenue in December. And that might mean like a, you know, a Christmas retail plan, like we talked about a few episodes ago. That might mean selling some personal training packages, you know, no discount, just making them available. It might also mean talking to friends and family of your current customers in December. But I think, you know, if I'm an affiliate and I'm seeing this data for the first time and and the only thing that I take away from this is, holy crap, I better have a plan to make another $1,500 in December, then that's a very valuable use of this data. Yeah. 
And it's interesting to note, looking at it as well, that February is extremely low. It's the lowest, you know? So kind of thinking about what's happening. Like we know, all right, well, people commit in January, but is it really that much that they're falling off after that one month? You know, there's some work to be done there. If that's the case with your gym that, you know, they come for that January startup, they're gung-ho, they commit. And then they're gone after a month, you know, definitely some room for improvement there. And another mistake that we commonly see people make is they'll run like a six week challenge, January the 1st, and money will come in, they'll be happy, they'll be tired, but they won't have a follow up plan, or nobody will be working on sales or marketing while that challenge is going on. So by mid February, oh crap, there's a cash vacuum, because there's nobody new coming in. And all those people are gone, and they didn't sign up. Uh, meanwhile, you still have to pay your coaches for the time they spent with those clients, et cetera. So I can definitely see that. So Olivia, what's next? Like, what are you going to do with this data? How is this forming the direction that Wattify is going? And paint that picture for us. Uh, well, as you mentioned, um, we do have a new uh, business health dashboard that's going to be coming out. That's um, going to include some of these key metrics, your arm, your leg, sort of looking at revenue trended over time, kind of a snapshot of your new members, those sort of things. Um, we're also going to include on there your discounted revenue so you can really get a good quick view of how much money you're leaving on the table or potentially giving away. Pissing out the door, yeah. Yeah, we're also looking at your active members versus those with memberships to um, target for you. Maybe your arm is understated because you have active memberships in your environment um, who aren't on a membership. You know, we're still considering those people in your denominator because they're there. So that's something that you can make an action of, either get them on a membership or inactivate them. And either way, you know, you can make improvements with that. In addition to that, you know, we I've been looking at this data some more, looking at it from the standpoint of gym size, how long a gym has been um, active with us, as well as, you know, how long, you know, the trend of their membership over time, all those sorts of things. I'm just trying to looking at different slices of the data and how we might be able to make some insight from that. So it's kind of a deeper dive of what we've done here. The big one though, is we'd really like to be able to produce this at least annually, if not more frequently, um, just so we can see, you know, year over year, what are the changes, what's happening, and just to have kind of a pulse on the market with this data, because it is, you know, it's objective, and it's a really good sample size. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We would love to be able to offer this sort of information to all of our clients, you know, as they need it building out our reporting and making it a little bit more actionable is definitely high on our list of priorities because we understand that it's a huge undertaking running your own business um, and we want to make it as easy as possible. So with all of the data that we do have, we could certainly do that. It's just packaging that and making it something that everybody can use is definitely a big undertaking. So. It is. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of work to make things simple. (laughs) And so, uh, but that's also the mark of genius, I think, Olivia. So thanks a lot for explaining what these things mean to us. I know that a lot of the stress of entrepreneurship really has its roots in uncertainty. How am I actually doing? Like, should I be doing better or worse? And I think that if you guys can provide this kind of data on an ongoing basis to affiliates, you're actually doing them a massive service that they're not getting anywhere else. So thank you for that. And thank you for painting a picture with numbers. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Anvil Coffee, creators of the new CEO brand coffee from Two Brain. 
If you've ever been to a two-brain seminar or a summit, you've heard me do a little segment called, What is the Value of a Cup of Coffee? And I shared four key points in my life where I've shared a cup of coffee with somebody really influential and it made a big deal. So in one circumstance, you know, the coffee was worth $1.70, but it got me through this mountain pass in the dead of night in Utah while I was working on a story about polygamous. And there are three other even larger examples where coffee has been worth, you know, up to $100,000 with somebody. What is a great cup of coffee worth? Well, it can be almost priceless. And if you've met me, you know that I'm always either holding a cup of coffee, drinking a cup of coffee, or maybe even talking about a cup of coffee. If I'm not doing one of those three things, I need one. Now, when I approached Brian, I approached him from the help first mentality. Hey, man, I want to talk about your coffee on my show. It's fantastic. And he turned right around and out help firsted me. He said, yeah, man, we are going to help. Every time somebody in the Two Brain family orders some coffee from Anvil, we're going to make a little donation to the Special Olympics, which is a charity that's very near and dear to my heart. I can't say enough about these guys. The coffee's amazing. Brian's an amazing person. He's a valuable part of the Two Brain family, and he's going to make a contribution to Special Olympics. Thank you, Brian. I love you, brother. I love your coffee. If you're listening to this, give Anvil Coffee a shot. You will not be disappointed. Except for this one little disappointing thing. You can't buy CEO coffee. The only way to get CEO coffee and the coveted Two Brain CEO mug is to sign up for the ink. So, Nick, welcome to Two Brain Stories. I wanted to bring you on because you have a, a definitely a unique situation, but I feel like I say it's unique, but there's probably a lot more uh, business owners that are going through the same thing or ha- have gone through the same thing. So, welcome to Two Brain Stories. Give us a little bit of background about who you are and uh, what business you own, and then we'll jump into the story today. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, Greg. Again, my name is Nikolai Bloom. So uh, I'm here in Austin, Texas. A little of me, you know, I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, played hockey kind of growing up, a uh, big sports fan. Moved to Austin, Texas. I worked for uh, Sprint Wireless for 20 years, slanging phones. And recently, actually a few weeks ago, I uh, have, I don't work for Sprint anymore. And uh, so I bought R&R Tire Express. As you can see, uh, I'm uh, sporting the, the hat in the, the background. But I bought a tire business about a year and a half ago. And so I have been running, managing an area of Sprint stores, the Austin market, while also uh, managing my own business, which is a, this tire business. That has been quite challenging, attempting to split my time. I'm a single dad. I have a 11-year-old daughter married. My wife passed away about six years ago. So just me and my uh, awesome daughter who's in sixth grade. And uh, so we've just been making it happen. And so I joined Two Brain a few months ago, I guess over the summer. been quite, the timing was perfect because things were getting extremely tense and, you know, I've learned a lot. I guess that's kind of me in a nutshell. Perfect. So I wanted, myself and Chris want to get you on here because you're the first non-gym that we've gotten on Two Brain Stories. So I definitely wanted that to be to be known is that um, Two Brain doesn't just work with gyms, but other businesses. But then on top of that, I kind of wanted to dig into where you started, like with exiting with ex- exiting Sprint and taking this full business that now you own full time. What exactly were were your thoughts and kind of kind of take me through that from from the time that Sprint started kind of having a little bit of friction or, or how, whatever happened to you yeah. now being, being in the business full time. So I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but I, you know, as soon as I started looking at different franchises, I went through a, 
a large plethora of applying to different franchises and had a list of things I was looking for. Finally found this one that met the criteria I was looking for. And about this time when I started the business, I told, you know, those folks in the leadership that I had started my own company. And I could immediately feel resistance from them as uh, working for them for 20 years, winning every award you could possibly win in the wireless sprint, you know, being sent to, you know, trips to Hawaii and Cancun and all over the place. They were not pleased. And my performance went from, you know, top 1% to top 25%. And so that wasn't obviously good enough, but I was extremely scared to take the, the plunge from the safety and security of getting that, you know, that paycheck every week, something that I knew and was easy for me to, you know, something that was just constantly needed my time, my money, you know, my all in effort. So that finally came to friction where, you know, the, the company was not pleased. And so a few weeks ago, I was basically cut loose from working from Sprint. Honestly, I couldn't have been more excited when they told me that because felt law, like, uh, just a million tons came off my shoulders and I was, I just, just having one mission and, you know, I wanted to leave, but I, you know, I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't quit. And it was just a really tough decision to make. I mean, the last, that day, you know, I woke up the next morning, I was so excited and I just had all the time and energy and motivation and an obligation to just go all in. And honestly, the last few weeks have been amazing. They, we, the business has grown dramatically and is at a faster rate than I ever would imagine. You know, I really wish I would have done it a lot earlier, but I honestly was just too scared to, to just do it. I needed to be pushed out of the airplane and, you know, with parachute and uh, it's, it's been uh, quite a run and it, it was extremely scary, but, you know, now I've kind of caught myself and everything seems to be moving along pretty smoothly. Excellent. I mean, and that's awesome. Sometimes it, sometimes it needs, it needs, you need that push uh, out of the airplane so that you can build that parachute on the way down. That's, that's what entrepreneurs do. So that's what you did. Now yeah. switching that. I mean, I know you, you found two brain from basically a, a affinity marketing and through, through your gym that you were a yeah. part of. How have you used that same technique to kind of build on top of your clients to bring more and more revenue into the gym? Yeah. So a friend of mine, uh, so I joined CrossFit, a friend of mine, Justin Roach, who has the CrossFit Renew here in Austin, you know, has been kicking my butt in CrossFit. And so we finally started talking about business and, you know, he's the one who actually introduced me to Two Brain. So I feel really lucky to have, have done that. But, you know, through the infinity marketing, there's been some big surprises. And so for me, I ended up, and it's a little bit outside of what our normal franchise does, but, you know, I ended up getting a relationship with the Austin Infinity uh, car dealership. And through working with them over the last, you know, six to eight months and giving them the highest level of service that they expect, you know, to give to their customers, you know, I gave them extremely high service, getting them wheels and tires. And uh, so I finally, after reading through the, the Affinity Marketing and working with Chris and uh, reading the Pumpkin Plan, I found out that the person there used to work at Subaru and the person, all, another person who I was working with used to work at Honda. And so I, I was having them sign an invoice for some, for some purchases of theirs. And they immediately picked up the phone and said, yeah, I'll call them for you. You've been amazing. And they called over there. They had, they asked him to come over and he drove over there within five minutes 
introduced himself. I told him kind of what we've been doing and they really did all the work for me, told, you know, talked me up like better than I could have ever done for myself. And uh, next thing you know, I was presenting it to Subaru. And then um, that ended up translating over the same girl worked with Honda, which is the largest Honda dealership in Texas. And wow. so I presented to them and really just from them recommending me and kind of bridging the relationship. And then yesterday, uh, I got a text from the Honda dealership saying, hey, want to order some tires? You know, want to order, you know, a set that I showed them with some wheels. It was honestly a really easy transaction, which is which is how it's worked with every single dealership. It's just been a relationship that's kind of bridged over from another relationship. Been really exciting. And it's it's helped me uh, build some extra revenue during a time when I'm, you know, trying to pay myself while also growing the business. So it's it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. I mean, being able to use that and use affinity marketing exactly the way it was it was meant to be used. I mean, you're you went into to one dealership and got multiple dealership deals out of it and, and yeah. communication and connections only because you really just over delivered. I mean, you you sold it exactly the way you do it. It's you gave them the customer service that that is necessary and is above and beyond the, what they're used to, at least. Awesome. Well, I. I really appreciate you coming on here. I really love that you were able to share this story because I know what you've been able to do from getting kicked out of that plane and then building what you've done here, which is amazing. And on top of that, adding much, much more revenue from this affinity marketing and using it the way it's taught is uh, just been amazing. And I want to be able to share that story with everybody. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I hope I helped somebody out there. And uh, you know, thanks for the time. I really do appreciate it. Happy to. Thank you so much, Nick. And uh, I wish you well and happy, have a happy holidays. And thank you so much. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We greatly appreciate you and everyone that has subscribed to us. If you haven't done that, please make sure you do. Drop a like to the episode, share with a friend. And if you haven't already, please write us a review and rate us on how, what you think. If you hated it, let us know. If you loved it, even better. See you guys later.